trials, sidebars, hearings, settlement conferences, consultations. Lawyers talk a lot. It's what they do for a living. And if you get into a conversation with one, they tend to have some pretty good tales to tell. This is Law Stories, where we bring you the best attorney anecdotes. And here's your host, the president and CEO of M2M Legal, James Skiles. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Law Stories, brought to you by M2M Legal. My name is James Skiles. I am the CTO and Chief Operating Officer of M2M Legal, uh, where legal services can be brought to you made to measure. Law Stories is a show that basically just tells the stories that lawyers have. Every lawyer has stories that they have that are like the best, the juiciest, the funniest, or the most entertaining stories, or sometimes the stories that best are applicable to everyday life and everyday people. Uh, with us today is my friend Russell Christian. Russell is an attorney out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Russell, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your practice? Yeah. Um, hey, thanks for having me, James. I am an attorney out in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Been licensed out here for eight years. Um, I am an associate attorney at the firm of Atkin, Winter, and Sherrod, uh, where I do mostly uh, insurance defense. You know, if you get an accident, uh, we'll, we'll represent you. Um, I also, not as much anymore, but I used to do a lot of business litigation. Um, and I also, uh, I'm the president of the entertainment law section out here in Nevada. And uh, when I have time, I uh, run a blog on entertainment law issues. Um, so, yeah, that's me. That's going to give you some uh, pretty interesting stories. Entertainment and uh, and Las Vegas, there could be probably some pretty seedy actions going on there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because I got out here and realized that y- you know you no matter what area of law you're involved in, it just you run up against entertainment. It's I guess it would be like practicing law in Orlando, and you're 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 going to see Disney at some point. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it's a good analogy, but it's just. Uh, even personal injury, um, you know, you see people who are in the entertainment industry or you have a slip and fall at a casino or at a show. And so you can't avoid it. It's Vegas. That's, that's what's that, uh, is it mostly because of the type of clientele that's out there. There's a lot of people that are involved in the entertainment industry. Yeah. And it's just because, um, you know, the strip that's even though locals don't necessarily go down to the strip as much, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a huge part of what we are as a city. We're a huge tourist city. So, um, the casinos are all about entertainment. There's four or five shows down there. Uh, they employ a lot of people. There's a lot of people going to them. So that's where that's where things happen, for lack of a better legal term. When people get hurt or people have um, labor disputes or you know all all the different things that can come up in in the law, uh, you know, out here, even if you're not a specifically entertainment attorney, there's shows involved. There's um, Entertainment entities involved. There's businesses involved. How, how did you get involved with uh, with that practice? Uh, well, it started with me um, just playing music. I'm in college. I you know played in bands and played music. Started writing songs and stuff. And I had always done it on the side. Um, you remember my roommate, your friend Martin from law school. We'd always play guitar at the end of the school day and stuff like that. So got out here and started getting back into um, entertainment in terms of playing. Um, and then it was sort of a mixture of, as I mentioned, just getting involved with business, business litigation, um, handling matters involving entertainment issues, and then going out and playing. When people I play with would say, oh, you're, you're an attorney, they'd hit me up with a, a lot of questions. And so it got to the point where I was getting so many questions and doing so much 
free work for friends researching stuff, I said, you know, I'm just going to do a blog because <laughs> I'm getting the same questions over and over and over. Um, and so that kind of got me, uh, I had already sort of started to get involved in the entertainment law section just because I enjoyed, you know, the, the music end of things playing. And so it was just kind of a funny and interesting merger of hobbies and business. And it's, it's still an ongoing process. Where, where do you think you find the most entertaining stories from the, the entertainment side or from the, uh, the uh, civil litigation construction litigation side? Uh, you know, there's always crazy stories, and Vegas is a town f- full of them. Uh, oh, I know, I know. I've been there more than more than a few times. Yeah, yeah, and um, yes, you know, it's funny. You probably see more in civil litigation. Um, you just, I think, part of it is being um, because we have people from all over. You get all kinds of different backgrounds. You get people who are, you know, pe- people forget. They, they turn their brains off and they come to Vegas. So <laughs> they're on vacation. I get it. You know, you're here for 30, uh, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours. You're drinking at the pool. People do dumb stuff. Um, and so when we end up cleaning up the mess <laughs> with the lawsuit, we're like, you know, we look at the facts and say, why did this person do this? Oh, oh, I know why. I know why. Okay. Because they're. Um, they're in Vegas and they have lost all her, their inhibitions. And oh, by the way, uh, the alcohol can further take away those inhibitions. Yeah, for sure. So you get some. Uh, some Not just alcohol, some other things as well that we won't mention. Yeah, yeah. And, and just a real quick story. I remember there was one, one quick story to highlight that. I remember I, I interned at the public defender's office out here one summer before my third year of law school. And um, I was in a, the office with an attorney. And he said, "Come, you know, watch this. You're, you'll you'll appreciate this call." He calls this guy um, to come in to testify as a witness in a case where the guy had filed a police report. Uh, lady answers the phone, um, <laughs> hands it to the husband, who immediately says, "I don't want to get involved." What it was was a guy who was out here, and uh, he had uh, invited a lady to his room, um, and the lady was someone who gets paid to come to the room and apparently she stole his wallet and the guy, you know, he was mad at the time filed, called the police, said he got robbed. Well, you know, I guess people, maybe they don't realize this stuff doesn't get resolved right away. So they, you know, when you call the police and tell them you've been robbed by, uh, you know, professional woman, uh, they do some follow up and they arrest her and they have a trial and, you know, all the due process. And so six months later, when the guy gets called, you know, lots of, not surprisingly, they're usually not cooperative because they've forgotten about it or tried to forget about it and don't want calls at their home from public defenders. So um, the guy I was working with says, I got to make one or two of those calls a day. And they never they always want to drop. the chart. Oh, my. So, you know, that's Vegas. Uh, that's that, that's <laughs> That is probably the most Vegas story I've ever heard. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it, you, you involve cops, prostitutes, and and the public defender's office. Yeah. You, you throw throw in a couple of casinos and maybe a pawn shop, and then you have like you know the the perfect Vegas story. Maybe if the guy had gotten the money that he had he had uh, gambling, and he originally got the gambling money from pawning something, and that would have been the like most Vegas of Vegas stories ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure if you uh, do criminal law for a while, you'll probably get uh, more, more, more layers of Vegas and, and various stories. But yeah, <laughs> I thought that was that was interesting. 
Folks, this is the type of stories that you're going to get on this podcast. So uh, be sure to keep on listening to further episodes of, uh, of Law Stories from MTM Legal. Russell, what would you say is probably the absolute best story you have about, uh, about practicing law out there? You know, well, I kind of talked to you about this a little bit. I was I was thinking before the show, and and I want to come up with something that was sort of unique to to Las Vegas and the West. And in order to tell the story, I kind of have to tell a real quick backstory just to give you an oh, idea go of what's it. going on in this story. So when I first started practicing out here, um, you know, Nevada. The population of Nevada didn't really get to where it is until fairly recently. Uh, and I think I was telling you earlier, you know, before like 1970, 75, there's not a lot of case law in Nevada just because there wasn't a lot of people. Uh, and we just got an appeals court here in the past couple of years. So it was, you know, trial court, then the Nevada Supreme Court. So really, um, yeah. So, so we didn't have a lot of case law. So when I first got out here, you know, we trained in law school, always follow the precedent, you know, pick a jurisdiction. Well, I got out here and, you know, you'll, you'll hear me use a phrase, the wild west of litigation a lot. And it, it is kind of the wild west because when you get into a factually specific, uh, a unique factual scenario, you know, as a lawyer, you're always trying to find that case out there that has the exact same bizarre fact pattern as yours or, right. or something similar. So you can wave in front of the judge and say, look, this has happened before. You know, So I, I started seeing there was very little precedent, especially when she started getting into really unique fact patterns. It was it was all open. So because of that, even though it's not binding, the Nevada courts are very open towards uh, persuasive authority. So um, so persuasive authority, meaning uh, authority from other jurisdictions or from legal publications. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and what they... A lot of uh, Nevada judges, the, the first go-to authority would be California. They're our neighbor. They have a ton of case law. Um, so while <laughs> there are some judges that would say, I don't care how they do it in California, um, you know, it just makes it easy to say, well, this is what California does. And then if Arizona, New Mexico kind of do the same things, you know, you, you've got a pretty good argument to say, look, this is what other jurists have decided. But that being said, sometimes you get into weird issues where it's it's sort of wide open. So when I first started <laughs> practicing uh, myself and some of my coworkers, I sort of had a funny way of doing things uh, called the the SEC persuasive law. You know, growing up in Georgia, being a Georgia Bulldogs fan, I would always try to cite the cases from SEC jurisdictions. Just <laughs> I don't know, just for fun. Um, and I would joke around. This is not an official, uh, but I would joke that the weight of the authority would be greater depending on how good of a season or how good of a program you have. So, so if you had if you had some case law from Alabama or Georgia, it's going to be much more persuasive than something from Arkansas or, you know, Tennessee. Uh, so this is not an official legal theory, but I would just do it for fun, you know? Right. Um, especially when you had nothing. You say, oh, here's a case from Georgia. That works for me. Uh, so it was just kind of an inside joke we had around and, the uh, office. With, with, with the SEC stuff, but what about what about stuff from Tennessee? Is that just kind of sort of looked down upon or? Well, yeah, as a Georgia fan, I, I you know, Tennessee. Well, I think, is not I as think pretty much, I think pretty much everyone in the SEC would probably agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And up until recently, Kentucky case law wasn't as valuable until a couple. You know, apparently, this year Kentucky's pretty good. But uh, um, and I'll say, you know, we went to law school up in Michigan. Uh, big, big, Big Ten. I used to joke around the Big Ten jurisdictions were almost as good as the SEC. So you find something from Ohio, Michigan, it's pretty good. But, <laughs> you know, you want to lock it in with a good, solid SEC jurisdiction. Got um, it. Uh, so, so bearing that in mind, um, 
that was just sort of a joke we had around the office. Obviously, if you found something that was on point from a different jurisdiction, you know, you've got to go with the best authority. But when you got nothing, you just you're picking something out of a hat. I, it was a joke I would I would do. So with that sort of backstory, um, I found myself in a situation at one of the first firms I was at when I was working out here. I was doing personal injury on the plaintiff side. Um, and I've been there a few months and I was brand new and it was a baptism by fire and it was stressful, but I was enjoying it. So my boss called me one day and said, Hey, you're doing such a good job doing personal injury. I'm going to have you do all, all our firm's workers comp cases <laughs> and you know, you've got hearings tomorrow. So it was a little stressful well, uh, and I was, yeah, yeah. So I was in way over my head. Um, Why don't you explain for the audience a little bit about what workers comp is just in case. Yeah. Workers compensation, um, if it, real quick, if you're injured on the job, it's going to fall under workers' compensation. So if you're injured, let's say you're injured in a car accident or a slip and fall. If you're at a, at a grocery store and you slip and fall and you're a customer, you have the ability to bring a lawsuit against the, the property owner, the, the company owner. If you're injured on the job, in most states, there's laws saying you, you can't sue your employer. The avenue that you would follow up is uh, workers' comp. And there's a whole set of workers' compensation laws you're, uh, as an employer, an employer has worker compensation insurance. So if you slip and fall in the hallway of your office because of some water, you can't sue your employer, but you can file a worker's comp claim. And the rules are a little bit different. The hearings are a little bit different. So that's the basic uh, Wikipedia explanation of worker's compensation. Uh, and it gets more complicated, you know, obviously, the deeper you get into it. Mm-hmm. So bearing in mind, that's the, sort of the Wikipedia explanation. I was brand new to the... Um, to that area. And I was, you know, doing it for a few weeks, just kind of getting a grasp on, on representing injured employees. Um, most of the time, what would happen is they'd file a claim and it would reject it and they'd have to appeal it. They'd hire an attorney. We'd file an appeal and explain why this is work related, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but I had an unusual case that came to me where we actually represented an, an employer Um and this, this, the story, the scenario was that um, it was an employer that owned a business outside of Las Vegas. And as any, if you've ever been to Las Vegas, you've rented a car, driven out, you know, to Red Rock or the Hoover Dam. Yeah, there's you know, a whole lot get, of nothing. Yeah, once you get outside, there's nothing. There's nothing there. And it's fun. Like, um, you know, my wife and I sometimes go out for drives on the weekend. It's fun to get out. You see it. So there's a business out, you know, probably 20 minutes outside. Vegas and they do a lot of things in the business and they, they have plants they grow. It's Vegas. They grow some cactus and stuff like that. And um, anyway, long story short, some guy that was working there was digging up a cactus or something on the, on the premises and injured his back. Um, and the guy owns the business. He, he doesn't have workers' compensation insurance. So he drives the guy to the hospital, the injured employee pays for his um, medical care, takes care of him, you know, All's, all's, you know, fair and done at that point, or so he thinks. Well, what happens is when he goes to the hospital, takes the guy, they find out it's a work injury. They find out he doesn't have workers' compensation insurance. And then all of a sudden what happens is the wheels start going into motion against my client. There is a complaint brought by the division, I'm probably going to butcher, the Division of Industrial Relations, I believe that's the name of it, um, for the state of Nevada, the government entity that controls workers' compensation. They bring a claim against them. And if I recall, it was like a million dollar fine. I mean, it was huge. Wow. They were throwing the book at this guy. 
Um, they wanted to shut his business down the whole nine yards. Uh, make an example of the guy, you got to have workers' compensation insurance. Mm-hmm. So we were handling the case representing him as an employer who didn't have workers' compensation insurance. That's a big no no, you know? Oh, yeah. If you, um, and as you know, just, um, there are exemptions. Um, I know you have your affirmative business, and I think there's exemptions, and I don't know Illinois law, but if you're a small enough business, there's exemptions, and there's various exemptions. So so one of the things we were trying to do was look at whether there's any exemptions for this guy. And I should also mention as a side note, not only was there civil uh, actions being brought against the guy, but the attorney general of the state of Nevada was um, – had indicted the guy and they were, they had a criminal case and they were felony charges. I mean, serious charges, wow. serious all, felony all stemming charges. Out of, all stemming out of this, this incident. All stemming out of the incident. Cause wow. you know, people started realizing what the powers that be realized this guy didn't have insurance. So I'm thinking all immediately right off the back, like, geez, like they're really throwing the book at this guy. Like, and how did people find out about this? Geez. So, um, so when I'm handling the case with this guy, I start looking at, you know, possible exemptions, trying, trying to throw together defense. And mind you, you know, I've been practicing, I don't know, six months or something at this point, and I'm basically brand new to workers' comp. So I'm throwing this. Um, and, of course, we got to get him off the hook on the criminal charges, and we, we are trying to um, get the civil charges thrown out. Um, and they're both related to each other. Um, you know, there's admissibility issues about, about what can come in, but certainly if – if you can get a dismissal in one case, it's going to help, you know, in, in the other case. And, you know, if you get a conviction in one, it's, it's going to hurt in the other. So so it was it was a lot to handle. So <laughs> I, t- I told that earlier story to tell this story. As I'm doing some research, I realized there's something called an agricultural exemption. And essentially what it is, if it's a farm, you don't have to have workers' comp insurance. Well, we don't have a lot of farms in Nevada. <laughs> so... I prepare my brief, and most of the cases I cite to are from jurisdictions with farms. Um, California. So my, California. Yeah, we actually had a lot in California, mm-hmm. and then Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi. So I joke, I joke about it, but I said, hey, look, the SEC jurisdiction rule <laughs> applies here, you know? So <laughs> here I am with my little, uh, you know, uh, sitting around the, the water cooler joke. And I'm like, well, that's where the cases are. So we file our brief on this agricultural exemption. So um, I'm trying to keep this story, story somewhat short. I can talk about it. There's a lot of details, but, but we show up to the hearing for the, um, the civil side. It's a workers' compensation hearing in front of a workers' compensation judge. And the attorney for the division of industrial relations is there. And I th- think I was mentioned to you, have, You've, have you seen the movie Casino with oh, um, yeah. Robert De Niro? Remember the scene when he fires the guy and then like the guy's uncle or something shows up to beg for the guy's job back? Right. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's dressed like, you know, if you were trying to cast someone as, you know, typical you know, old school Nevada uh, politician, right. that's, what, that's what this attorney looked like. I mean, he's okay. got the bolo tie, the, the cowboy boots with his suit, you know, the white hair, the whole deal. So... And was this guy, okay? Go ahead. Was this I'm guy connect, was this guy connected, kind of like the other guy was in the movie? Or well, so we'll get to yes. Yeah, we'll okay, get to that. okay. We'll get to this. So so uh, so this guy comes in and he's right off the bat. You know, I'm trying to t- chat with the guy before the hearing, see if we can work something out. 
you know, some sort of settlement, something. And he's just, you know, no holds barred, not giving me any room to negotiate, uh, not going to budge an inch. And not only that, but kind of making threats somewhat to me. You know, I can't believe you're taking this case. You know what this guy's doing, blah, blah, blah. Talking about, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, telling me what a terrible person my client was and blah, blah, blah. And they're going to throw the book at him. So it it was apparent that this guy didn't want to play ball. And I started thinking this guy's doing this at the behest of somebody else. You know, this guy's <laughs> – there's somebody pulling the strings, you know. Mm-hmm. So we go to the hearing and the judge – says, <laughs> I, I tell the judge, we got this agriculture exemption. He says, I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to, I don't buy it. You're going to lose. At which point I, I realize I got to just go forward with this hearing so I can appeal it, get it out of there, you know? Right. So we start having a debate for a long time about this agricultural exemption. I said, no, you know, the, check the brief. Uh, it all checks out the facts. You know, I, I spent a lot of time looking over the facts. Um, so the judge just wasn't buying it. He said, I'm going to call the attorney general so that he can tell you, and you know, talking to me, you know, how crappy your case is, basically. So he calls the attorney general on speakerphone in open court, who then oh proceeds to say, yeah, I'm looking at a brief filed by you know, Russell with this agricultural exemption. And geez, uh, you know, I'm looking at this case law and he, he's got a point. We're actually going to drop the charges against the guy. Oh, wow. So I look at my client like, you know, bullet one dodged, you know, uh-huh. the, the, crip, the the criminal case. And, and I'm I'm joking because here's little old Russell. I've been practicing about six months with my uh, SEC jurisdiction, <laughs> you know, joke. And it worked. Um, we got the guy off on the criminal charges. Uh, so the judge is kind of pissed. And the other guy, the attorney of industrial relations is pretty pissed. Um and the judge says, well, you know, it doesn't really change my mind. I don't know. So I said, fine, let's proceed with the hearing. The judge literally says, I'm not going to proceed with the hearing. Refuses to have the hearing. And I'm thinking, Some, something doesn't feel right. right. That's kind of the, the point of the story. There was a lot of times, and in, in, in right around then, I started thinking, my gut is telling me something is not right. So we got out of that hearing. They rescheduled it. And I was talking to my client. And you know, rather than talking about legal issues, the first thing I asked him, and I think this is the only time I've ever asked a client this, I said, do you have any enemies? Like, have you pissed somebody off? And without hesitation, he named the name of a prominent real estate developer. And he said, I'm not going to say his name. This man, I know it's him. This guy's been trying to get my land for years. I said, okay, all right. So talk to me. Um, and this is all public record. I'm not going to mention the names, but there's a... a a prominent real estate uh, mogul who has been trying to get a, uh, a real estate development outside Vegas going for a long time and has run against opposition all the way. And this piece of property that my client had was like the key to the whole thing, mm-hmm. not only in terms of location, but talking to my client. This is where it gets into a little, little bit of a Chinatown. Uh, seen that movie issue. My client had the water on his land. Riparian so. rights, really. Yeah, so he had, not only did he have actual springs on there, but I think he had some of the water that was going to other springs, crossing through. I mean, this guy had the goods. If you're going to have a development, you got you, you got to have the water. You don't need to be a, a geographic scholar to know <laughs> it's the desert in Nevada. Yeah. You got to have water. And this guy had tons of it, enough that he's, 
you know, growing stuff on the property and got all these trees and stuff like that and cactus or whatever. So he's sitting pretty and on a pretty big piece of property, which I'm sure is worth a lot. And he's got the water rights. So right there, I said, that's it. That's it. Um, so he and I, I can't prove it, but I'm pretty sure this guy, once you know, he had been trying to get my client off the property for years when he heard about this, probably pulled out whatever influence uh, favors he had uh, statewide to, to get this guy, my client, um, you know, in the crosshairs to try to get him off the property, you know? Wow. Try to get his property. And um, I don't want to brag or anything too much, but I guess they hadn't counted on, you know, little old Russ with his <laughs> college football uh, jurisdiction um, analysis, you know, coming up with the, the agricultural exemption. So we ended up, uh, um, you know, stopping it. And the guy, the guy still has his business all these years later. And that development still hasn't uh, gone through. There's a lot of issues that's been in the news recently. So, uh, and in fact, one of the things I, they're noting in one of the, News stories was that um, this particular developer sort of t- taking a hands-off approach to the thing. I think my guess is that he probably tried this hardball approach with a lot of different people in a lot of different ways and pissed off all the right people. And, and then is yeah. kind of sort of getting it handed back to him himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, a little bit of a David and Goliath story. I'm, I'm kind of proud That's, of that case. You should be. That's a fantastic story. Yeah, thanks. That's uh, you know not not necessarily the juiciest, but um, no, it's fascinating though. No, yeah, quick- it reminded me of Chinatown. You know the movie, <laughs> where the, the whole movie is all about water rights and you know some of the corruption and whatever. So yeah, in this case, stuff. in this case, nobody told you to forget it, Ross. It's Chinatown. So <laughs> yeah, nobody told. Well, the attorney from Carson City that came down was basically trying to tell me that. Listen, yeah, kid, well, you know, yeah, you're in my ranch now, or he was using all the. Cowboy colloquialisms and whatever. Yeah, you're able. You're able to to uh, to turn it against them, unlike Jake. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this next very very brief segment uh, of the of the podcast, uh, I'll basically ask you a question sure. about somebody in is in a scenario that's relatively close to to uh, to what was detailed in your in your story. In this case, I'm going to kind of sort of take the opposite route. Uh, and that I'm going to ask you, if you're an employee, say you work at a casino, you are uh, the guy that's running uh, the roulette table, and the uh, you know you're, you're spinning the roulette, the roulette wheel, and the ball's on, and then the ball fl- flies off and hits you in the eye and knocks your eye out. Uh, what what do you do at that point? Okay. Um- if you're the guy that's been hit, are you the, you're the guy dealer? You're the, guy or? That, you're the dealer. You're the guy that's running the roulette table. Yeah, so that'd be a workers' comp claim because you're you're an employee of the uh, casino. Um, and with workers' comp, and I, uh, it's been a few years since I've done workers' comp, but uh, you you really would only get an attorney involved if they denied your claim. Uh, so you would file. And this is probably true in most jurisdictions. If anyone's listening that's not an an attorney uh, and they need to file a workers' comp claim, in Nevada, you've got about 24 hours to file the initial paperwork at work. So if you are injured at work, you should report it to someone right away. Really, 24 hours. In Illinois, it's it's 40 days. Oh, wow. Jeez. Well, (laughs) we we can have a whole uh, podcast about uh, 
labor laws in Nevada versus Illinois. And, uh, you know, it's, there's a, speaking of juicy stories, uh, you know, <laughs> they, anyway, so, um, Nevada here, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I, I found that the workers comp system here was not conducive towards, uh, Towards the plaintiff claims? Mm. Yeah. So, um. so I think the first thing would be, you know, if that happens to you, well, probably not going to happen to you. There's not that many people that are running roulette tables. But if you get injured on the job, first thing to do is, is check what your local law is. Make sure that you do things within a timely manner. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's kind of a uh, catch-22 because if you're injured – your first thought isn't like, oh, I need to fill out my form, you know, two, three, seven, or whatever it's called. <laughs> you're you're going to want to go to the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's actually an interesting point because sometimes now if it's like a minor thing, um, you know, you slip and fall, and you don't necessarily need medical condition. You know, you may have to ask for the employee. You may have to kind of bug them for it. Like, no, 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 I need to fill out the paperwork. Um, obviously, if it's bad enough that you require hospitalization, lots of times they'll give it to you there at the hospital. In fact, you can get in trouble as an employer. If you know, like, if there's an obvious injury, they take them to the hospital or something like that, and you don't file the paperwork then, or or give them the opportunity to fill it out, then you can get in trouble. So, uh, right. yeah. Long story short, um, you're injured. You're a roulette dealer. Tell your supervisor, and they have laws they have to follow, and you get that paperwork signed as soon as possible. Um, okay. And I guess you know, without giving legal advice, if you're in any other jurisdiction, you know, obviously, re- the sooner you can report something, the better. You know. I was about to give our disclaimer that uh, none of anything that Russell or I say on this podcast can be construed as legal advice. If you have a legal issue, contact an attorney in your jurisdiction. If it's an area of law where Russell practices in Nevada, go ahead and contact Russell. Uh, if you're in Illinois, contact M2M Legal. You can you can go onto our website, which is about to launch uh, m2mlegal.com. We are completely a web-based uh, web-based uh, legal services company and basically all you need to do is have information with you and you interact with us online and if it's something that we can help you with, we will help you with it. Uh, Russell, I'd like to thank you for coming on to our show. This has been a very great episode of Law Stories from M2M Legal. Uh, any parting words or thoughts that you have for the audience? Um, well, first, I just want to thank you, James, for having me. This has been fun. Um, and I want to wish you and Emily and Fat George the best. Um, <laughs> for uh, everyone out there, Emily is my wife and Fat George is our somewhat internet famous cat. You can go ahead and look at him up at uh, hashtag Fat George on Instagram. So, so yeah, I'll, um, just in terms of par- parting words, just say if anyone out there is listening, um, when in doubt, always see an attorney. Uh, most attorneys will. Um, most attorneys don't usually charge initial uh, consultation fees. Uh, they'll sit with you 20, 30 minutes to see if you have a case. Um, just because we're t- talking about it, you know, I can tell anyone out there that's listening. I've had more clients than I care to say show up. Talk to me. Have have a legally significant is- significant issue that an attorney can help them out with. Only to find out that because of a statute of limitations issue, there was nothing I could do. Um, oh. So, uh, it, you know, again, talking about workers' comp, uh, this, the deadlines there are really fast. So that's all I can say. If you if you have an issue, uh, be proactive. If you are sitting on something and you think you know, maybe I should talk to an, an attorney. 
Um, you should, and, and sooner rather than later. I know it's kind of a, a boring word of wisdom, but uh, it just triggered my mind because we're talking about deadlines and, and workers' comp especially. Um, talk to someone. Rather have you – I think it's better for you to talk to somebody to uh, you know, have them explain something rather than to just sit on it. So. Russell, thank you for coming on. This has been Law Stories for M2M Legal. I thank you for listening, and we will be coming out with new episodes hopefully every week coming soon. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Law Stories with James Skiles is a production of 1A Cast Media in association with M2M Legal. All statements made by hosts and guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the producers or distributors of this program. Although the hosts and guests of this program are attorneys, no statements should be construed as legal advice. If you require legal assistance, contact an attorney licensed to practice in your area.